My next guest is Michael Sheesby. Mike is an actor known for his work most recently in The Nightingale, in which he was nominated for an actor award. He has worked alongside Andrew Garfield, Mel Gibson, and so many other fantastically talented actors. He has learned through the hard times and the best of times and imparts all his knowledge that he's learned throughout his career on managing mental health, practicing deep work, getting the most output for the minimal input. We dive into everything. So, without further ado, here's Mike. Brother. <laughs> it is great to have you back. Thank you so much for coming on for the second time. No, thank you. I really enjoyed last time. That was that was a lot of fun. It was you and Pete. It really was. So. Yeah, and this time without Pete, we did a solo session with Pete last time, and he uh, he was <laughs> excited to talk a bit of shit about you, but we didn't get the chance. Great. To. <laughs> but um, I guess I guess kicking off, uh, I'd love to focus on a more mental health aspect towards uh huh. towards acting yeah uh because that's something that you have definitely helped me with uh quite a lot i did your uh actors blueprint course we've been like a month ago now i think month and a bit ago or yeah probably about that yeah something like that and uh changed my life man so ah, bro. No, but uh, for those you know who don't know, you can go and check it out on Michael's website, michaelshitsby.com. And uh, I did it, and I came in after lockdown, and I was absolutely a wreck. I just didn't know whether I wanted to continue with my career, didn't know what I wanted to do. And you basically provide a structure for the chaos that is a creative career in acting. Hmm. And... Um, I was actually let known by my psychologist that I was clinically depressed, but a high functioning, so I was still able to do stuff and get shit done, just waking up and not really wanting to continue. And uh, after that, man, it's just been uphill and you've reinvigorated me and I just want to really thank you for that. Cause, oh, uh, dude. Yeah. That means a lot to me, man. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, uh, no, that's very wonderful. I uh, I think a lot of the, the the big challenges that actors have is they feel as though, uh, or you know any creatives in any career feel as though that once they land that big job or that big role, they'll be happy, um, right? And uh, I'd love to start off with you know some of your experience and why you sort of got into coaching actors on their mental health and and providing a structure for the chaos. Uh, but you landed your big role in Henry V, correct? Uh, yeah, and I'd say between Henry V and Hacksaw Ridge, that entire kind of, uh, let's call it a two-year chunk, um, that was, you know, from one kind of, uh, this should be a dream experience to uh, a lot of darkness to uh, getting Hacksaw Ridge and going, oh, great, now this... <laughs> you know, now this should be the dream experience. One, you know, being, uh, you know, lead on stage at, at Sydney Opera House, and um, you know, as as an immigrant that uh, had a 
sitting on the steps. Uh, we came here on a holiday when I was uh, like six years old and I was sitting on those steps at, at Sydney Opera House. Mm. So, um, And for those that don't know, you're from originally from South Africa. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Grew up in uh, Peter Maritzburg, South Africa. So I moved, immigrated with the family when I was 12 years old. Um, so, you know, the Sydney Opera House was more than, to me, it was more than just like a stage. It was like a, um, I don't know, a bit of a bit of a symbol of this kind of uh, this new world. Like coming from a small little town and then seeing this in the opera house, it's like, oh, this is where, like, you know, <laughs> uh, like people from big cities who do important things. You know, it was kind of bigger in my mind. Uh, so there's that that one side of it, and then Hacksaw Ridge is. Uh, you know that's Mel Gibson and and uh, a bunch of starring actors and that certainly was um, you know when my agent uh, called me saying uh, I'd got the role in that like I just bawled my eyes out because I was like I'm going to be fine now 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 everything's going to be okay (laughs) which um, yeah that that certainly, that certainly was uh, was a trap for me in terms of right those. If I get those kind of results, mm. then I'll be fine. Mm. And that just wasn't the case at all, at all. Yeah, that's um, that's super interesting because I'd love to hear what your thought process on the Henry V um, mm. in your performance during that and how your mental was through that because I think you know if you're, you know. In a, paid stage production on the Sydney Opera House touring all over Australia as the lead in, you know, um, in this play, it's a dream for you as you've, you know, done Shakespeare since you were 14. Yeah. Uh, in some, you know, some people's eyes and definitely your own at some, uh, some level, you must have felt as though that you'd made it. And I'd love to hear like where that went from a positive experience to you know, a negative experience and what um, advice you would have for combat that. Oh man, this is big, Oh, where did I see it going off track? Um, I remember probably like second or third week of rehearsal. Uh, I had had maybe like, oh, maybe like s- seven months to prep for this gig. And I'd been in the garage um, with, you know, with the, with the text and just working on those lines almost every day for, for those seven months. And then to actually get in the rehearsal room, um, looking back on it now, it's, you know, in hindsight, it's quite obvious to see that I had just kind of planned... Um, uh, I was just trying to control a, a shit ton of things mm. that I can't control. Um, and I had this idea and this expectation of how it should be. Um, and, you know, then you get into the world of collaboration, of rehearsals, where there's give and take, and oh, suddenly that person's doing that choice, and just it's really simple, just, just you know, communicate with them. Um, but I, I found myself just being so kind of 
blocked up with how things should be um that trying to control how things should how you know how i wanted things to to go um and then uh i think by like we were touring in melbourne and i hurt my right shoulder um because i didn't i i didn't know what to do i'd never had any kind of conversations about like hey if um, just being able to notice and be aware of thoughts and feelings and physiological responses, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, knowing yourself so you can use yourself. Just, uh, I didn't have that ability to zoom out and go, oh, okay, I'm actually not okay and I just kind of need to put up my hand here. Um, so rather than going down that road, I just went down the road of like, well, maybe if I shout more or, um, uh, or if I, my instinct was to harden up. It was to go like, I need to go stronger. Mm. So I, I was more physical and I was shouting more and I lost my voice on the second show and that, that, yeah, when there's 113 shows to go and you know, I lost my voice on the second show. That was a bit scary. Um, and got put on the steroids straight away, mm. the vocal steroids, and obviously vocal steroids because I'm not huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that started affecting my sleep. So mm. I was losing my sleep, um, and then I had to like hit this um, this wall at the back of the stage, and I was just you know my fears and anxieties were kind of coming out, and I was. Uh, didn't know what else to do but like hit things harder and, and shout more so I hurt my right shoulder got uh bursitis in my right so then and if if you don't um i wasn't having time off enough to rest it uh so i'd keep trying to use it so i'd do more damage so it got to the point where like i would just be holding up my arm and it would just suddenly drop and like I just didn't have the control over it anymore. Shit. So then I started, you know, overcompensating. So using my left for everything. Mm. My left got bursitis within a few, a few, um, a few shows, uh, and I was just kind of like armless. I had the steroids. Uh, I wasn't getting the sleep. I wasn't doing exercise, and it was just this perfect kind of spiral. Of, plus, I'm going in front of you know, anywhere between whatever, 250 to 800 people, depending on what the, the theater was, um, uh, almost every day, you know, averaging. Who are all expecting a great show as well. Cause I've seen the Man. reviews and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Uphold it every night. Right. It's absolutely. And a great cast, like a phenomenal cast, phenomenal group of creatives, incredible director. Um, and everything, uh, yeah, I would just get to act for every night. And Henry's got his, you know, dark night of the soul. And, and he, um, you know, upon the king. And it's this, this, this young king, this 26-year-old king talking about the weight that he's got on his shoulders and the expectations that he's got. And I would just be sitting there. And rather than going into the text, which is, that was everything, you know, I could have used to release at that point for me it was 
I would be sitting there and I would be telling myself how much the audience hates me and how much I didn't deserve this role. Um, and, uh, and because I was telling myself that, of course, you know, the brain is just this incredible lawyer designed to, you know, prove my, my reality to myself. So any, any phone ring or, um, or, you know, someone eating a packet of chips or that popcorn or someone coughing, everything was just proof to me. Um, and I was like, yep, that person thinks I'm shit. That person thinks I'm shit and, uh, they hate me and, you know, they're, they're here expecting this great, this great, uh, play and there should be this leader on stage and, um, yeah. And then because you're focusing on all those people so much, you're not giving 100% of your focus to the performance, right? Oh, yeah. Forget about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because uh, I had a, you know, a lot of really wonderful, um, close, close people that I, I love a lot um, in that show with me. And I think, you know, years later talking about it, they're like, my weird, no idea that that I mean you were fine on stage like there was no you know we couldn't tell any of that stuff um except for my best mate was in the show with me and and he definitely uh it was one night in particular where I had my back to the audience and he caught me kind of smudging a tear away because I just I just uh, I was so disappointed in myself uh and that's when he was like oh okay something's up he's mm. he's not all right um but yeah, it was all, you know, uh, I didn't have, um, I, I didn't, I was too afraid to put my hand up. Um, and I was too afraid to uh, acknowledge and accept where I actually was, which was, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not okay. I, I, and I, I don't know what to do about it. Mm. Um, and so I just, I stayed in it and I just stewed in it. Um, and yeah, it was just a really, a really lonely time. Uh, how did you feel once the, uh, the, the last performance was done and, uh, you could finally have a day off after, you know, <laughs> so many performances out, what was the, what was the feeling after that? And how did you feel towards oh, acting? Yeah, it's funny. I remember we had like a bit of an after party. Um, I just remember catching the train home alone. And yeah, I just felt really sad. I felt like, wow, I just had the most incredible opportunity um, with a great group of people. And, uh, and I, yeah, I just felt kind of sad and lonely catching mm. the train home. Um, like, uh, you know, from 14 working on Shakespeare to going to drama school and, and going like, ah, oh man, if, you know, if I could only get a kind of opportunity, then, then that would be great. Cause I, you know, I'll rise to that. And then I think catching the train home going, well, fuck that one up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, um, I think uh, as you have sort of helped me uh, implement into my life and, I'm sure many other actors and you maybe discovered after after this point in Henry V, it's 
often 99% of the battle within this career and a lot of other creative careers and you know maybe every career is it's 99% mental right and after after you've done Henry V and uh, maybe uh, let's skip forward to Hacksaw Ridge yeah how did you manage your mental uh, fallbacks and 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 yeah, just mental fallbacks on that when working with, you know, some of the most elite um, actors in the yeah. world. Was yeah. Um, okay, we had like a two-week uh, uh, like workshop, like boot camp kind mm-hmm. of thing. I say boot camp. Okay. <laughs> you know, try like tell tell those stars to, <laughs> to oh, you know, attention, stay in line and stuff. And they're just like, guys, like it... it it's just going to boil down to a close-up. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that was kind of this incredible build-up where I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. And um, and I was trying to figure out, you know, different uh, accents and trying to learn different rope tricks and stuff. And um, and then we, we started filming. And I think, I don't know if it was like the first day or the second day, but... There was a, um, there was a shot in the bunker and I knew that, that the kind of point was coming where they introduced my character and the camera kind of, um, was coming close. It was a steady cam and I just felt this, uh, this like shock. I was just so surprised. I was like, anytime the camera came close to me, I was just like, don't just go away just Mm. i just wanted to hide um i i just and i was watching you know people around me go um kind of you know rise to those occasions and and i think the shock for me was like what like like the same the kind of the same things happening like Mm. hang on I, i i thought that was like a a year and a half ago kind of thing like I, I thought I would have moved on from that by now but the same kind of fears or, or um, you know they, they reared their heads again and that was I was just so oh man I was so disappointed um, I was like this can't be this can't be happening again and then and just seeing the the blessing of that sh- of that film was watching Garfield, um, because I got to see, because uh, we had similar coaches in the dream work where I, I was working with, um, I had worked at that time with Elizabeth Kemp, mm-hmm. and he was working with Elizabeth Kemp's mentor, um, uh, Sandra Seacat, mm-hmm. and who's kind of like Sandra's mother was the kind of founder of. Uh, of uh, dream work um, and you know coach to like freaking so many actors you know, Mickey, uh, Mickey Rourke and uh, Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield um, but I, I got to see an example of what happens when someone does all the prep mm. and then they release on set and they just let go and so I, I knew things were possible um, for me anyway of like doing prep and then just, 
you know, allowing, uh, allowing, and then just giving it, right. you know, being generous on set and giving that. I knew that was possible, but I felt like for me, I needed to do something mm. um, to create change. Um, otherwise, I, I just needed to walk away from it because I, I wasn't going to keep, just, I was just exhausted, man. I didn't want to keep, you know, banging my head against a wall. And it's like just watching yourself do the same thing and, and expecting a different result. It's like, man, this mm. is just insane. What am I doing? Like, mm. I need to change something up. Um, uh, and do you think that manifested from, uh, some sort of Im- imposter syndrome? Did you, did you have any, uh, feelings or mental things of like oh maybe i shouldn't be here mel gibson's directing and imposter syndrome is a very very hard thing to come over i mean like i'm feeling it right now with you (laughs) like should i be here with michael um (laughs) was that was that something you had to navigate yourself or was it something that you felt or uh don't know um i mean like yeah all the time because i feel it all the time I feel it at the moment um, uh, yeah it, the imposter syndrome I mean I, that was massive on on Henry V because mm. um, I felt like I kind of had the proof to as well <laughs> yeah. like see you are um, <laughs> whereas Hacksaw was interesting um, what was funny about Hacksaw was that there was one particular tiny scene where it was just my character and Garfield's character. And when we rehearsed it, um, it was only like just this like th- th- like six line kind of exchange. Um, but when I did that, that was like enough proof for me that I was like, see, I can do this. Right. And then the next day came in And they were like, oh, they cut that scene. And uh, I knew that without that little scene, there was no kind of... There was was just no reason to have my character in any of the other scenes. Mm. But we were filming all that other stuff. And I was like... So I just knew very early on that I was going to be cut out of the film. Um, uh, And... I mean at that time like I was devastated about it now I understand it's just such a normal thing and I've you know I've seen it so much so much on set where um, (laughs) you know actors are just so wonderfully committed to something and it's like yeah that'll be cut just doesn't work with the story (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, what was I saying you were saying um, dealing with your you didn't feel the imposter syndrome on the set with Andrew. Like you knew when you did the scene with Andrew uh, that you were like, shit, I can fucking do this, dude. I held my own against, you know. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. It just it just seemed like it was lovely and playful. And and then once that I knew that scene um, was cut, I, mm. I I went home and I was obviously just really devastated about it. And that actually was quite, there was quite a lovely change for me there because I was like, well, what am I going to do? 
and I've still got my little journal from that day which is hilarious to read but I my attitude I think there was quite a lovely shift there of like well like I've got several more weeks on this film like am I am I gonna sit and sulk about it kind of thing or am I gonna go be you know a supportive cast mate and there were there were cast drinks that night and I was like oh man I just felt so ashamed and embarrassed mm. and I was like I don't want to go um, and then yeah there was kind of a lovely shift of like I don't know just suck it up uh, and I and I went and to Andrew's credit you know he just beelined for me across the room and gave me a big hug and he was like I'm fighting for that scene and whether it was bullshit or not I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but it you know I um uh, that was just a kind of lovely moment of, of feeling, you know, Love. feeling, yeah, feeling yeah. seen for a second. Uh, and yeah, I mean that, that whole, you know, two year saga, that was a big shift for me. Um, cause I, I just moved into Maroubra after that and I was reading a book on reaching the core who, you know, South Africans, so rugby union's a big deal, and then New Zealand All Blacks are a big deal, and then the captain of the All Blacks, that's a big deal. And I was reading a book on the culture of their, you know, their team culture, and um, and just how Richie McCaw had a, like, a performance coach, a mindset coach. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I just started looking at, like, who my favorite athletes were, and who my you know, the, the kind of leaders out there that, um, in their fields that I admired. And I was like, they all have help. They all have some form of external accountability where, um, you know, they have coaches, they have people, um, uh, giving them guidance or permission or, um, and I was like, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, if if you know if i if i want to be contributing you know generous work on 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 screen or on stage um and the people who i look at as to be the most generous within within my field if they're the ones who you know on a saturday night are sitting on skype with their coach working on something like why why don't i do that why don't i mm-hmm you know, put my hand up and just be like, look, I, I, I really want to give the work that I feel like I can, but I'm just, I just feel stuck and, and held back in a lot of moments. So can I just get some help with that, please? Mm. Um, and the second I did that, you know, I, I started with, um, the, it's funny because the very first coach I had is the coach I still work with today, even though I've, you know, I've worked with a stack of them, but, um, for you know mindset and performance Angela Ford has just been um, uh, oh, just so terrifyingly brave uh, I, like talk about someone who walks the walk you know um, she she there's a lot of coaches out there who preach a lot of things and she is someone who, who she leads by example mm-hmm. um uh, and yeah, and then I think um, 
working with her, I I had already booked a theatre show, Arcadia at STC, and I was like, look, this is going to be a three-month experience, and it just kind of time-wise coincided perfectly with working with Ange, and I just went, look, at the end of this, I'm very happy to walk away from acting. I, you know, I don't want you to you know beat yourself up if if i do <laughs> kind of thing mm. um which i said very naively um but yeah why are you feeling so disenfranchised from the idea of continuing to follow the because I, d- I didn't see a i didn't see a um i didn't see a path forward mm. um it, it was like look I, i'm done my years of training and this is how I was feeling at the time of like well I've done my training and I've been given the opportunities and I'm not I'm not rising to them I'm not giving the work that I believe I can um I'm not doing it just like acknowledge the fucking reality of it like you've had a lead role in a show Mm -hmm. you've had a main role in a in a feature film and both of those have been like Hey Mike, you didn't step up, dude. So, what are you gonna do? Um, and it was like, yeah, I'll I'll leave this to people who can do that and mm. go, you know, do something else. Um, that was my attitude to it at that time. Was I just didn't see a way forward? So I was like, all right, one last thing. I'll just I'll ask for help and I'll see uh, what that does. But if if hiring a you know performance mindset coach doesn't uh, if that doesn't help me, then yeah. like, come on, like, let's pack the bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. Fair enough. And obviously, you learned a lot from this performance performance mindset coach. But um, a lot of the lessons that you've gained from you know all these different people and your experiences, you're now imparting onto actors who are coming up. Um, such as myself and you know so many others that you've taught in Ezekiel Samat and uh, many others what got you interested in helping actors like myself and Ezekiel and so many others to who have lost hope just like you did in that point <laughs> yeah I think um, you know that whole kind of mentoring side of it has, has definitely been something that's just it's been very very important to me in the last kind of five years six years now yeah um what was I going to say about that um I I have been so incredibly fortunate with the guidance that I've had since I was 25 in terms of like the external accountability so whether that's mindset or um or acting coaches um performance coaches pressure like just so many people who've who've passed on some really you know wonderful things that like you know I've sought I've sought after them and and um some of the uh, some of them have been hard to you know find and and chase after but um I think yeah I've been so lucky to have people help me find comfort in the chaos that um that it's just become really important to me to to pass that on and and 
um, you know, to pass it on to that 25 year old version of, of myself. Um, because when I was 25, I didn't think there was, um, a way forward, you know, when I was watching myself not step up, um, uh, yeah, there was just, uh, I think just providing a little bit of light when, you know, actors are in their, um, at, at that kind of similar stage of darkness, mm-hmm. that's just, yeah, that's, if I'm not on stage, if I'm not, you know, on, on screen, um, you know, working on my own performance, then, oh, man, that's absolutely the kind of, the, the, the thing that's second in line to, to what I love doing is, is passing it on. And I, um, to be working with, you know, one actor a week, um, has always kind of been like this little side goal of mine to go like, do, you know, do what I love and, and go for it, but just spend that kind of 10, 20%. I wouldn't say twenty percent. Say ten ten percent just just passing it on and part you know. Mm. Um paying it forward, I guess. Yeah, and one of the greatest things that I um got out of your blueprint course was the importance of the uh inner child work that I'd never heard before and bringing you know uh re reparenting yourself for one as like an adult but also letting that show um through your work and and finding ways and techniques to really make yourself available um and i'm just really interested in how you learn these how you learn these techniques and who you learn from and and, uh, where that came about yeah i think i was quite astounded that um when i was working with coaches who were taking care of like Oscar caliber actors mm-hmm. um, I was astounded that I, I, I just found it very interesting um, that like almost it was like a direct relationship to how expensive the coach was to how fast they got down to inner child work right. it was like you know an $80 an hour coach would be like, Hey, let's learn lines and talk about, you know, objectives and obstacles and stuff. And, um, whereas, you know, some coach who pays like astronomical fees per, per hour, um, uh, who's coaching, you know, um, just certainly, you know, a stack of my heroes, um, that it would just get down to in a child. And, uh, I found that across the board, mm. whether it was coaches who were taking care of um, uh, UFC, you know, MMA fighters, or uh, coaches who were taking care of actors, or you know, any any uh, uh, any discipline, any any field yeah. whatsoever. I was like, wow, the, the leaders in in those fields they have that healthy relationship with with the inner child. So. Um, I think the real kind of diving board for me was Elizabeth Kemp, uh, who, uh, if you go on YouTube, you can see that clip where Bradley Cooper's at, uh, inside the actor's studio and they're talking about, you know, who's your acting coach? And he kind of just like bursts into tears. Um, 
because when I saw that, I was like, oh man, that he's he's willing to do the work that he's like really afraid of. Mm. Um, Why did he rest in tears? I understand that. Oh, well, he said, he said, um, the the calmest I've ever felt in my life was in those rooms. Um, right. So, uh, just a bit of background with Elizabeth Kemp. Um, she was head of uh, Pace University, which is inside the actor's studio. So, yeah, I mean, you've got an acting coach who is taking care of uh, one of the kind of great American institutions, um, uh, all their students. And uh, uh, DreamWorks started with... Um, Sea uh, cat. She passed it down to her daughter Sandra, um, and then uh, Sandra was a mentor to uh, to Elizabeth Kemp uh, and a few other people. Um, so it's still it's it's definitely not like a common kind of uh, you know acting acting approach, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, it's very much the amalgamation of yourself and that character so that you need your character and your character needs you. Mm. Um, and God, when I hear that, it just sounds so wanky. But <laughs> I knew that um, uh, if I was kind of emotionally... Like, if, if, I, if I wanted to give generous work, then I just didn't have the option. Mm. You just being emotionally blocked up is just... It's, it's just not going to... It's, it's only going to get in the way of serving. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that was my kind of introduction. And uh, Elizabeth Kemper's first workshop in Australia was here in 2012. And it was just like 20 of us hanging out in this big, massive church, just being like, what are we doing here? Church as in like, it was a church space. It wasn't, right. it wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't any religion to it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's all based off, um, Carl Jung's work, who's kind of the godfather of Monday, uh, psychology, but, um, uh, yeah, a lot of subconscious and dreams and, and, uh, and inner child. Um, and I think to see, once I started kind of collecting these experiences of, of seeing a lot of actors that I really looked up to and admired on set, like Garfield or um, DiCaprio or uh, man, whoever, um, uh, Mel Gibson, just to see the way that they played on set mm. um, and they let themselves just make mistakes. Um, that was just so eye-opening for me because I was my kind of background was like it needs to be so serious mm. like I remember walking off stage after doing Romeo and Juliet when I was like 20 and I remember saying to someone like yeah man if I don't if I don't have like cuts on my arm or, or like sweat dripping down if I'm not like exhausted then like I haven't done my job like my my mindset my approach to it was force mm. and was to go stronger and go harder yeah. and smash through um, the wall yeah smash through the wall exactly um, and uh, yeah you know now I, I just see like I think I think my greatest strengths are my greatest weaknesses I, I think having a healthy 
relationship with those vulnerabilities I think that is is um, I think that's the real power I think that's what all you know the actors that I look up to are, are able to do mm-hmm. um, uh, I find that I find that extremely interesting that uh, Elizabeth Kemp took you through full Jungian psychology and you know everything to mm. go through your acting and uh, I've done a little bit of reading on Jung but I'm, I'm still to continue my reading but I think one of the things that he highlighted to me in his work that you know society put as everything's black and white like you know it, it is it either is or it isn't or you're doing it or you're not doing it there's no in between there's no like um, there's no grey area yeah. but um, one of the things that when I first heard about you, my mate sent me a uh, sent me an article that you wrote upon giving up because someone had, <laughs> uh, someone had messaged you about, uh, hey, Michael, I want to give up. What should I do? And yeah. when I first read it, you're like, just give up for a day. Give up for this. Give up for a week. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, losers give up, bro. Like, he's keep fucking going. Doesn't matter how hard, doesn't matter how hard it is. Yeah. Um, but then I realized the the that's where we get caught up in the ultimatums because you know yeah. the all the pressure comes from those ultimatums in the you know if you're not doing acting today you're a fucking loser you're gonna fall behind people are gonna get in front of you and certainly for me coming with an athlete's mindset of uh playing soccer which you helped me with a lot and changing my mindset on the blueprint um that's how it was like if you don't train today there are thousands of other kids that are training today and they yeah. can get better than you yeah but what you help me realize is you got to optimize for longevity with this career yeah. and through that you have to be able to not give yourself too many ultimatums and giving up for a day or a week or you know a month at a time isn't the worst thing in the world and actually creates a, a love for the you know a love for the return of you know having that acting life I took a couple of days off the other day and I was just like you get back and do some acting with someone but um when did you when did you realize that it was like beneficial for the longevity of your career to not be too black and white and realize that there's a little gray and that you can give up for a day yeah um hmm. two stories jump to mind one um uh being at a bar with garfield Mm mm-hmm and watching him uh we were just like sitting around telling jokes and he he slipped out of his accent that he would he was being quite fastidious with uh, uh, staying in his american accent for like his character's accent and he slipped out of it and he was like oh oh yeah i've been you know talking english accent Mm. and he was like oh yeah i've been talking damn it oh well and then just kind of like went back into it and that man that was like that was such a big deal for me because I was like, you're supposed to be perfect. <laughs> like you're leading a feature film. You should be perfect. And just to see the way that he dealt with that mistake of like, um, it's like, man, if that was me, I would have beat myself up so much about that mm. to the point where um, it, 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 that, that would be a, a, a fork in the road of um, like the next day would be more stressful and then that would cause more mistakes yeah. and then the next day would be more stressful um, and and just go down that kind of cycle and that that's one example of you know 
where I, I just saw, um, yeah, I guess that, that grayness of like, oh, it's, it's never some perfect, you know, mm. um, perfect kind of scenario. Um, the other, the other one was, uh, I was in my room learning lines for, um, for uh, a play, SDC's Arcadia. And I was sitting on the carpet and I knew that I had to learn this. I wanted to learn this speech before Monday. And I mean, it's it's stop art. So if anyone knows stop art, it's, you know, modern day, you know, Shakespeare over here. It's just incredible, incredible language. Mm-hmm. And I... I must have started at like nine or 10 in the morning and seven hours later I was sitting on the carpet and I hadn't done a thing. Like I hadn't actually remembered a line. I just spent those seven hours beating myself up about the fact that I wasn't learning lines. And I was so uh, upset at myself um, that I was like, I was like, (laughs) it's just one of those like zoom out moments of like, man, I'm, I'm only using this time uh, to beat myself up. I'm not getting anything done. Uh, and yeah, I just like burst into tears and then I went and got an ice cream. Um, and then I ate my ice cream and I, I didn't look at the play at all. Uh, and then I just slept and then I woke up the next day and I, I knew I'd kind of given up then. Mm. Um, and yeah, I bought a white Magnum. Um, I love those things. And yeah, and then the next day it was just, all right, let's start again. And I got more done in like that first half hour of the Monday yeah. than, than I had in those seven hours. And that was a big deal for me to realize like, oh, if, if I'm spending hours of my time beating myself up, that is completely, it, it detracts from my work and that detracts from the work of from everyone's work you know um and it's just completely completely pointless like um i'd be i'm i'm better off to go play in my rock pool um and just swim for you know for a while and and that i mean that moment that's directly related to kind of how i how i operate now in that um uh, I am not gonna spend ten hours if it's if it's a miserable ten hours working because I know that if I just have some external accountability I can get more done in one hour mm. um, than I could in those ten and then if I do the work that is actually important like if I actually you know do the deep work in that in that one hour then I I'm done for the day and I'm happy just to lounge around on the couch and enjoy my life um, but. Yeah, this this idea of like, um, I th- I think because it's because it's acting, and I came from a very conservative background. Um, I just on that insecurity of um, you're not working hard enough mm. um, is is tends to you know just be there under the surface, ready to go if I'm if I'm not um, if I'm not aware of it. Yeah, it's such a such a prevalent one that I see 
uh, in so many, so many of my friends who are actors uh, work, and especially me, coming from the sports background, it's like if you the only reason you're not booking the roles or you're not doing this, or you're not doing that, is because you're not working hard enough. And I'd love to hear um, any habits or uh, things you would advise actors to do to be nicer to themselves within those uh, you know circumstances because it's just I mean so many times I've had the same thing of you know just got to remember one piece of text and then you spent the whole day doing it and you haven't got it done perfectly by the end of the day and then I'm smashing a hole in the wall yeah 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 I think um, well just uh, pulling out a piece of paper and just jotting down like when has it worked really well Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know let me just write down like five experiences that like I really enjoyed I, they were very energizing um, I got the work done it was easy it was playful um, uh, you know it was, it was fulfilling I felt proud of myself afterwards and a lot of those experiences for me it's like oh hang on like yeah I remember that time where I just uh, you know I just asked that one particular person for help and, and I got it all down in like 20 minutes um, and it's like okay well what was I doing in that time and just trying to to um, uh, hack those little uh, those principles and those hows you know those techniques um, and uh, I, I think with with any of that that kind of stuff it's just pull out a piece of paper and, and write down um, when has it worked before mm. um, when were your favorite experiences um, and that's like yeah we could be talking about learning lines or, or practice or being on set or, or anything but you will have had little wins before and it's just about finding those little wins and then and then um, uh, expanding on those and going okay like 80 20 principle right mm-hmm. so uh, let me take uh, that small portion of wins that I've had um, and I'm I'm gonna remove 80% of the crap that actually isn't helpful that just stresses me out that um, that only gets in the way uh, and I'm gonna work for a small amount of time just doing the things that um, are enjoyable, that actually are important, where I actually get, you know, the important stuff done, uh, and then I'm gonna go do other stuff with my life that that I enjoy, rather than spending hours doing stuff that's just, yeah, uh, it's just not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. I yeah, I love that. It's really just following the fun and like where have you done your best work and, and, and finding where you've had the most fun in doing your best work and then writing that down and then trying to recreate those situations correct yeah I because that is sustainable that you know uh, if it's if it's fun and meaningful to you uh, and only takes you know one hour you can do that every day for the next 60 years like and and if you can if it's if it's one hour um you know once a week you can do that for years as opposed to my old 
attitude, which was just get in there and smash it. And I would, I would be doing 12, 14 hours a day. Um, and I'd get to like the third or fourth day and I'd go, I'd just be a miserable, miserable wreck because, you know, motivation that, that wanes, like it's, it's that, that will leave, (laughs) that will go. Um, but an enjoyable process that is so deadly that is so dangerous in terms in a wonderful way mm. um yeah that is sustainable i oh man an enjoyable fulfilling hour oh man that because i can just keep going i can keep doing that um and three months later you know uh it, it really is like tortoise in the hair kind of scenario yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things I really got out from uh, from the Blueprint course with you. And I sat down here on the couch and I was like, all right, this motherfucker's going to help me get on home and away. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's so funny. And, uh, and the first thing you said was like, all right, so fuck your home and away dreams. I don't want I get, that's I, I don't wanna, I don't, I don't want you to get home and away tomorrow. I want you to get. Uh, I did not say that. You did I, not I know what I did say. Yeah. What I, what I okay. did say was I do not care about your short term results. I don't care what they are. Um, I'm not interested um, in you getting some job um, uh, two weeks from now because we do this workshop. I'm more interested in you getting jobs that are fulfilling several years from now. That's what I'm more interested in. Um, oh man, because like the, the whole short term chasing a gig, like anyone can, you know, be that next face on that, mm. on that next show and be, you know, the hottest, you know, the hottest thing in town for, for um, and that little grace period of, you know, three or four jobs or, or uh, two or three years like that can happen to anyone and that's just a short term um, it is a band-aid but if you're still um, working on, on jobs that you find are, are fulfilling in several years from now like that to me is is the win you know yeah yeah I, I definitely felt that because I mean <laughs> I mean like, because uh, I've been I've been programmed to to think like oh, okay I gotta go 12 14 hours a day because I just don't have any time and obviously motivation fades as you just said and uh, from that from that sporting background mm. like you know I didn't even you until you put it together for me and said like hey dude like the window for a sporting career is like maybe 10 years at the very Max, best yeah at yeah. the very fucking best the acting you can do to you in fucking in a wheelchair yeah technically so yeah. you gotta you gotta optimize for longevity you gotta realize those maybe if you do an hour today instead of 12 hours today that hour will compound over time because you it's much easier to do oh yeah and the, oh, man the um i know bruce lee's got that that old famous quote of like i don't i don't fear the man who can i'm gonna butcher this but anyway um I don't fear the man who can kick 10,000 times. I fear the man who kicks once a day for 10,000 days. Mm. That principle, um, oh man, I, 
because that's where I've seen people exponentially grow um, or, or uh, excel is slowing down in order to go further um, and uh, that to me is, is is truly exciting and like I, I see it in, in other things as well you know like uh, Jiu Jitsu for example I'm sure you see it in all of your athletic stuff is um, yeah seeing what happens when uh, we stop trying to force results today and just slowing down and going hmm what if I let, let me slow down let me see what happens if I can just uh, do less but actually enjoy the process and do it in a way that I can do it every day um yeah yeah it's um so powerful and the one one of the greatest things i got from you i mean i got fucking everything great from you at this stage but um (laughs) (laughs) the uh the enjoyment of the process is something that i really 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 focus on now because uh i did a little bit more research after our talk about it and uh, I read this study that these two Stanford and Michigan um, psychologists did on uh, three groups of kids. And these kids all love drawing. Yeah. And intrinsically. And they just did it constantly. Yeah. And they took three groups of those kids. In the first group, they left alone for the three weeks. The second group, they would give random gold stars on every drawing, mm. uh, on every second or third drawing. And the third group, they would give gold stars after every drawing. And after three weeks, they took all the gold stars away from all the groups. Mm. And the kids who got the gold stars stopped drawing. There you go. And the yeah. other kids who were just drawing for the fun of it because they loved it didn't. And I think it's such an easy fall, trap to fall into, especially once you start like, booking that thing here and booking that thing there. And you start to get some reviews and you start to get that traction of like people externally giving you rewards for, for, for your craft. And then you start basing all your happiness and all your dopamine off those rewards yeah um but uh i'd love to know how you really want because you get that you've got plenty of you know fantastic reviews and lost boys doing insanely well at the moment which i'm which in my opinion is probably the best short film i've ever seen ah um and uh i'm just wondering how do you how do you keep yourself accountable for not letting in those reviews into your your dopamine register so you can really focus on the craft rather than the rewards that come from the craft I don't read them (laughs) (laughs) Um, no okay so after Henry V um, I was staying in a a friend they needed a um, a dog sitter to take care of their Great Dane puppy uh, while they were overseas and their cabin was on Brown's Mountain which overlooks like Nowra and that coast and I was like in this class cabin with peacocks and a Great Dane and so yeah it was just beautiful but I I was looking at I was just jotting down how much time I spend during the week doing the things that I do and I was apart from um, sleeping like the the second um, thing that was taking most of my time was social media like I was dropping like 20 hours a week just sitting there scrolling mm. and uh, that was just a terrifying idea 
to me because I was like, I'm spending more time looking at what other people are doing with their lives than I am in terms of doing anything that I actually love. Um, uh, you know, anything that's actually healthy, um, you know, whether it's uh, reading or, or exercise or, um, you know, hanging out with friends or um, practice, like, you know, spending no time practice, but spending 20 hours on social media, like, um, and that was a moment where I went, oh, because um, I'm just not going to give myself the temptation. Mm. So I just got off social media. Um, and that was like a terrifying night. Because uh, I, all I did was like delete Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, and I was there in this like in this cabin on a mountain and it was storming and I was like, it just I was so blown away at how it how much it knocked me because mm. I felt so left out I felt so behind I felt so like um, but I had just a wonderful week and I was like I'm only going to do it for a week mm. um, and I got to the end of the week and just something had just shifted for me where because I didn't have that temptation I just I just started thinking about like okay well what am I doing mm. you know what what do I want to do today like I want to go get some chicken eggs and um you know play with the dog and and go see that that local petrol station clerk who's looks like he's from deliverance um like there was just i just started to look around at what was in front of me as opposed to um all just this kind of filtered idea of what had uh you know putting these expectations so but that's that's obviously that's all on me Mm. Um, uh, and I think I kind of started taking that same approach with, you know, when it came to, you know, reviews in particular, um, I just kind of made a decision to go like, I'm, I just want to focus on enjoying the process. Mm. Um, want, right. Clear. I'm, I'm being careful with that word because like, obviously that's not the case. Mm. obviously all the time um but yeah that since 2014 that's been a very big focus of mine is like when i notice myself starting to really care about um the external things those that is that beautiful signal for me if i'm if i'm catching myself uh feeling or thinking you know not enough not enough not enough Mm. or when i get that job then i'll be happy or when I have that amount of money then things will be okay or when um uh those to me are those like the those wonderful signals just to give me that little push in the direction of ah cool you notice it mm. great catch go back to go back to process am I having fun with my process and that's the that's the interesting thing in noticing it in what I've learned from different, you know, meditation techniques and everything like that, often noticing it the first time you notice it and start to notice these thoughts creep up and everything like that, mm. you know they're bad for you. So you're like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't be fighting. And you start to fight it and you start to fight those thoughts. But within fighting it, you bring it closer. So in your, um, in what Andrew
Andrew uh, has taught you in being nicer to yourself. And you're just like, oh, I thought that. Fuck, that was stupid. Keep moving on. Yeah, Andrew. A- you uh, mean Garfield. Ange? Garfield. Oh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, um, uh, Angela Ford was, was such a big turning point for that of when I felt that little bit of dissonance, I felt myself, mm. um, uh, whether it was a thought or a physiological response or uh, an emotion, a feeling of... Um, uh, just that little bit of fight or flight, that little bit of uh, trying to protect myself. That was a moment where I could either judge that or I could celebrate the fact that I've just noticed that and it's like, great, I was able to notice the signal that is now going to get me back on track. And um, I think certainly in passing on um, the work to, to uh, you know, um, up and coming actors now I can see that that is a like an exponential turning point where if they are able to notice and celebrate the fact that they caught it game changer yeah because it means that um, you know and, and in the beginning it's like it might take four days uh, to notice that thing um, and to be okay with it and to accept it and then get back on track but that every time that happens and we get to build that, that neurological pathway, um, that just gets shorter and shorter and shorter and, you know, um, uh, you know fire together, wire together. The, the more that we're doing it, um, uh, the more it's going to build on itself. So the more I'm going like, oh, I'm beating myself up. Awesome. Got it. Cool. Now get back on track. Um, the more I'm celebrating that as opposed to... Because otherwise I just get in the cycle of I'm, yeah. ju- I'm judging my judging. Yeah, and yeah. That's, oh my God, yeah. you changed my life so... Yet again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I'm really interested in the... Because obviously one of the things we can't change with time is you know, it, it comes in a, you know, in a linear fashion. One minute is a minute, one hour is an hour. An hour of practice can be an hour of practice you might do 10 minutes of good work but I'm interested in how you would advise people to within any discipline to get the most out of their work by doing deep work rather than um, extending the amount of time that they have to do work to get that quality of work because obviously you want minimal input and maximal output yeah 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 Um, I think just going back to mm-hmm. alright sit down open a just get a piece of scrap paper and a pencil um and uh, just write down 10 20 examples of of when it has worked for you when you have felt um like arrow if there's an arrow pointing upwards when has it felt energizing for you um and let's say you come up with you know 10 examples and then just 80 20 it go well out of those 10 which were the two most Mm. which were the two processes that brought me um the most amount of of joy and and fulfillment um and that's where you'll start to hack your own performance Mm. um because you know i know for me i can spend two hours i can spend 10 hours uh sitting in my lounge room getting nothing done and it's miserable (laughs) or i can spend the first hour of the day uh, 
with external accountability doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's a coach or just a, another fellow actor but if their face is on the screen and they're going mike what does that sentence mean or what's happening in this scene what's um why is the writer included this scene or whatever mm. um i will i will sit there and i will get so much work done in that one hour and then i can just go play for the rest of the you know um and by play i mean go do other things that i find fulfilling go to training or, or go read something that i enjoy um go for a hike or, or whatever um uh but i think the point um what's really important to me especially in in something like the blueprint um you know when i've got actors in the rocking chair or, or sitting on the couch is uh is the point that i'm trying to get home is you have the answers it's just a matter of guiding you to find them for yourself mm. and and a lot of that is just going to come from no bullshit just sit down and start scribbling um and if you start scribbling i'll be able to help you find the gems and if we can realize those those what those gems are and you can start to capitalize on those that's that's where the the process starts to shift exponentially because um uh, you might be doing, you know, I left drama school, I had a list of like 200 things on there, which were like all boxes that I needed to tick every time I got a job. I was like, okay, I need to tick all these boxes and do all this work um, in order for it to be good. Um, and I would, uh, I would lock myself in the garage and I would um, go for, you know, three or four days all day and then I would just collapse and I'd get like eight, nine things done and then that would be it. I'd, I'd just fall over and, and uh, kind of be miserable then. And so then I'd rock up onto set uh, and know that I've only done nine out of the 200 things and I would only spend my time thinking about the 191 things that I didn't do. Um, and, uh, you know, downward spiral. Whereas if I was to look at it now, and I mean, I've had this where like I was driving in the desert in utah got a phone call saying hey that job you auditioned for six months ago that uh is you know the bbc job is filming in new zealand you need to fly from you need to get from utah to la airport to fly back to sydney so you can get your bags so that you can fly to new zealand um uh and start on a bbc set with a scottish accent and film for the next six weeks and you've got six days to prep for it, was like, oh, I just don't have the time mm. to do a lot of stuff. So, like, those are the wonderful experiences where I'm like, okay, like, what's the least amount I can do in order to get the best, you know, result? And I was like, okay, well, Scottish accent, I can start practicing that. Um, I can ask to be please send the scripts <laughs> that would be helpful um and i could find out what my first few scenes are and i can start just working uh i can just book a coach mm-hmm. um and i can just start working on those those few scenes and um that was a, a, a turning point job for me as well because i look back at that work and and i'm actually pretty happy with that that show the luminaries um 
But on that job, that was, I felt like that was the least I'd ever worked. Um, and, and I was quite happy on that job with, um, uh, how effective, when I say least, I mean, mm. you know, the effectiveness of it, mm. like, uh, you know, just having a very, very small amount of time to do, um, preparation, but getting what was actually important, getting that done, um, and having a, just a really fun time as well. Like being able to enjoy, you know, the plane ride and, mm. um, uh, enjoy packing my bags and, and not letting it because just no one wins if I'm stressful yeah. do you know what I mean no one I, I, I'm on this gig at the moment and just there have been many moments where I'm like oh, I don't have enough time to learn and it's like yeah you don't <laughs> so now what yeah. like am I am I going to spend this time stressing out about it like no one wins if if I'm stressed, if I'm beating myself up, no one wins. Um, yeah. So the key to deep work um, <clears throat> is basically find, follow the fun and find the most um, stress-free situation in order to do high-quality work. Yeah, I think um, if there's one question that, like, a certainly grounds me is what do I need to do in order to get where I need to get um, so that I can give you know what I want to give Mm -hmm. Um, and when I put it like that it's like well that's that's very simple Mm -hmm. like what do I actually need to do it's just yeah flip that question on yourself and go like what is actually important like what is actually going to um like what is the work Mm. what is actually worth um it's a mark manson thing of like the key to not giving a fuck is being very clear about what you do give a fuck about like what is actually worth caring about um and you know i mean that question it's like yeah it's not a lot Mm. um but those things that are worth caring about for you personally, I'm sure you'll, you'll be like, yeah, that those are the things that are worth, um, uh, you know, if I'm going to die tomorrow, like what, what are the things that are actually worth caring about today? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, and one little side note on that, on my own, way that I was linked to, to get to do deep work and to really enjoy it is I, uh, I found a little clip of me as a, as a child um, mm. wanting to watch myself after my dad's like, you know, filming all the family mm. outings and things like that. And I'm like, oh shit, okay. That's actually what I really enjoy to do. Just watch myself. And like the acting is fucking, you know, I love it. And the the best part for me after is like okay oh I can change that bit and I can do that and da, da, da. yeah and I actually actively watch myself and I find when I don't watch myself when I practice I just get so depleted and then when I do watch myself when I practice and watch my takes back and you know chinking da 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 I get yeah. so much more energized yeah wow and that's just from that inner child work that we did in like incorporating that into my practice oh, and, yeah so yeah. thank you for that sir <laughs> yeah but but um I mean 
I'm so stoked at that because that sentence, like, you know, I like watching myself. That's such like a kind of taboo thing to mm. say, but you're like, well, that who gives a fuck about that? Because that's what gives me energy. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, no one can argue against that. It's like, this works for me. Like, that's what lights me up. I love watching this work and that work and that, that kind of not work. Okay, change it for this. Like, yeah. if that's, you know, you do you. If that's what works for you, then that's what works for you. And I feel like there's just a lot of shooting out there in terms of, like, what what I should be focusing on or what I should like doing. And it's to go back to, like, exactly what you did of finding those you know photos and clips of when you're a kid and going oh yeah fuck that's what i actually love mm. um you know again sustainable fun like yeah. what are the chances now that you're going to be acting next year as opposed to if you if if you were just focusing on you know some mm. kind of like being told how you should do it and mm. that's it that's it but um i'd love to know like acting is full of processes and a lot of those processes are waiting and preparing and, until you get up to that thing but I'd love to know just as as I get to know you better as a, as a, as a you know as a, a friend a mentor a everything what, what's your favourite what's, what's your favourite type of uh, what's your favourite aspect about the actual job like what do you really enjoy oh man um, knowing <clears throat> uh, if, if there's if there's a um, you know what I wouldn't even go so far as that I would say having some form of external accountability mm-hmm. on the screen and I don't care if that's 3am or 3pm but knowing that I've got that 90 minute or 2 hour chunk of time with that person and I've got these lines in front of me and we're just going to work like we're just going to work that I could do every fucking day of my life um, for a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just, because everything else just like falls away from me. Everything else is just completely um, superfluous. And, and um, you know, those, if I, if I certainly, some of my, my happiest memories are, waking up at at 2 a.m because that was the only time slot that elizabeth kemp could work with me because she was working with lady gaga and bradley cooper at the same time um and she was like look i've only got this time slot and i was like i do not care i will make that (laughs) so i'd wake up at midnight and i'd have a shower and i'd do a voice warm-up and then i'd open my laptop and i'd spend two hours working with her on on this was during the nightingale um on scenes that I had for the next day and we'd work on those and uh, and then I'd go back to sleep for you know one or two hours and then I'd wake up again and then I'd go on to set and do all that stuff and uh, finish on set and go fly fishing in the evening in Tasmania and then you know go back to bed and then wake up at 2 a.m. you know midnight again to work with her like um, yeah just those those two hours where there's just this black and white piece of paper in front of me and a, and a pen and I just kind of scribble over it and um, that to me is just like where it's um, that to me is the actual that that that's the work to me that like in um, 
even if even if we just never film it we never yeah you know just to be doing that is is to me the most um that's kind of my glass of water that's like my purest um where i'm like this is actually important to me yeah yeah. um yeah that's what it's all about um yeah i feel the same when i'm just in my room by myself with someone or just in my room and doing that you know watching myself and like critiquing da 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 it's like and I always think that it just never gets any better than that yeah yeah, (laughs) it's like and it's not that to say that you know you won't you know um, do differing things and do massive projects but like that's that's the that's the fucking need of it yeah and you just said a little sentence that like I, I, um, I, I love it so much and it, it certainly grounds me a lot is like, it will never get better than this. You know, the amount of, um, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, more money, more problems, but it, to be, um, it's just that thing of getting caught up in external things and like, yeah, you know getting acting jobs where like the pay starts to increase and and the size of the house that they put you in starts to increase and Mm. and um you know treatment on on set you start to get uh just kind of more like more responsibility on jobs comes Mm. with um you know more people kind of going okay let's let's you know if that person falls over, then then that has a big impact on the show. So let's really kind of take, yeah, make sure yeah. that I mean, look, like from a financial point of view, it's a freaking asset, and you need, like mm-hmm. people are taking care of their their financial interests. Mm-hmm. That comes across in a way where it's like, you know, you got a lead actor getting pampered, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but look, understanding it's from the practical side, it's like yeah, okay, it makes makes kind of sense in that way. Um, uh, but all of that stuff, it's like, um, I don't know. It just, it, it'll never get better than what it is now. It'll never get better than uh, just having this honest chat now. It, mm-hmm. It'll never get better than, um, you know, at some point today I'm going to be running over that Arthur Miller dialogue and it, like, it's not going to get better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know just because we're filming it on set doesn't mean it's going to be more um uh yeah just that whole like when i then i thing yeah when i get that netflix job then everything will be okay because it'll come with blah 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 you know i think it's like i think it's really in that saying that because some people might hear like oh it'll never get better than that and might look at that live in a pessimistic way but i find it super optimistic because that's like when we do those things that really give us that life that's that intrinsic value that's yeah. that intrinsic thing and like yeah. oh this is the most important because yeah. all the external stuff will fucking change absolutely you'll get absolutely. big houses and then you know you'll be fucking they'll be like oh yeah we got like a dingy little hotel room for you in the next shoot and, you exactly know, everything yeah, fucking changes you're, you're, externally you're on a you know, you're number two on a call sheet and then you're number 16 on a call sheet and then you're number three on a call sheet and then you're number 55 on a call It just, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, like this idea of like, oh, I, 
it, it's just always going to go up. It's mm. like, no, nah, that's not acting. That's yeah. not acting. That's not acting. So up down all around it's it's, <laughs> it's yeah man it's you know it's chaos and and uh to lean into that mm-hmm. and to go well look the, there's so few things that i can control and um if i'm if i'm trying to focus on a bunch of things that i that i can't hear in in can't control in order to uh bring me that feeling of like you know worth and just that just unsustainable yeah. um, to find those few things that I can control and I'm like those are worth caring about mm-hmm. like practice mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, yeah you know sustainable and uh, one of obviously the greatest of all time is Heath Ledger <laughs> <laughs> you actually is that is that one of your your goats that that is one of my goats yeah, yeah. that's one of my goats yeah, you, yeah. you do you concur with that or uh yeah i feel like um uh yeah he's an interesting one um i, I feel like we didn't uh, i mean obviously we've got the most incredible mm-hmm. um uh dark knight you know i mean that's just such a legendary performance but mm-hmm. um yeah the sadness to me about heath is i feel like he was so young yeah, and I feel like he just kind of got to that turning point like just imagine the kind of work that we'd be seeing from him you know um, um, yeah but uh, he has been quoted saying that you have to know yourself so you can use yourself yeah and that's one of the, one of the quotes that I learned from you but uh, do you have any like books or podcasts or anything like that that you could recommend to the viewers and or maybe just straight activities or thoughts that you could recommend to for the actors or people out there that just want to get to know themselves better? Yeah. Two things. Mm-hmm. One is um I I because Carl Jung was such a, a freak and a turning point for for um, psychology um, uh, anyone who is great at interpreting Carl Jung's work and articulating that work to the general public because it can it's just it's so deep and, and yeah. complex so any anyone who is able to um, uh, articulate Carl Jung's work I think is worth looking at mm-hmm. um for me the the number one example that pops up is jordan peterson yeah. um he, just doing do any of his lectures do, do his breakdowns of mm. pinocchio or, or any disney films um he is just uh uh just yeah that i'll just leave it at that jordan peterson number one jordan peterson yeah yeah um i mean uh yeah, I'll just say that. Jordan okay. Peterson, number one. Actually, there's a there's a documentary which is still one of my favorites called uh, Buck. It won Sundance in mm. two thousand and it was like ten or mm. eleven. Um, it's on a uh, horse whisperer, uh, natural horsemanship, um, and I went and did one of those uh, seminars for a couple of days. Um, he is that documentary. I think is really worth worth watching as well. Um, my other example, 
Oh, if there was an exercise, um, uh, and this this comes from Debbie Millman, but uh, who's been a regular guest on uh, Tim Ferriss podcast, but um, just writing down um, your one uh, one day and ten years from now. Um, I think it's called I mean she calls it I think my my remarkable day or my beautiful day but taking a day um, what's the day today? I don't even know what the day is uh, I think it's the 5th okay 5th of December so 5th of December 2031 um, from the second you wake up to the second that you go to sleep write that day um uh, waking up how do you feel where are you what's your bed like what does it feel like when you put your feet on the floor um, what are your curtains like where are you uh, living uh, who are you living with um, do you have pets uh, what um, uh, you know do you go to work do you work what work are you doing uh, who are you working with? Um, uh, what are you eating? Uh, what are your finances like? How do you, uh, uh, um, you know, do you have a partner? Do you have kids? Um, uh, who helps you do your work? Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your team like? What uh, coaches do you work with? What, um, what, what do you do for your health um what snack do you have in your car what car do you have uh, do you have a car what's your bicycle like um uh what are your relationships like um you know what do you have a, for a drink at the end of the day who do you call during the day um uh and just just write out your entire day um in, in 10 years time um, and uh, and and go and lean into it go go as, as deep as you can into it and I, I think um, I think people you know seeing seeing people uh, in my lounge room lean into that exercise I think is it's just extraordinary to see how people surprise themselves and to see what they come up with and to see like yeah wow I thought I wanted X but like actually no you know mm-hmm. when I was you know two hours into writing that I realized that no it's more it's more about this for me um, and I think the terrifying thing about that is like where people are like five years later after they've written that thing down like I still get emails of like hey Mike remember how we did that thing three years ago and I wrote that stuff down like I just want you to know like that's exactly what happens when I put my feet on the floor now it's it's really it's so so it's um yeah I just I find it continually um inspiring to to uh I guess it kind of goes back to this idea of like people have the answers mm. um 
it's just about trying to kind of pull them out of yourself um yeah i love that man and i've done that exercise as well and read that to you in here and i can vouch for everyone listening and <laughs> that it's uh it's a wonderful exercise i think i cried halfway through um writing it but um it really really makes it clear as to what you want mm. and you do surprise yourself and mm. you're like oh shit maybe no no it's this it's yeah. this i want this but um the journey to get there is obviously sometimes a bit uh has some twists and turns there's some there's some ups there's some downs and there can be some chasms and within an actor's career and certainly you know where uh where i'm at at the moment and you know a lot of my friends are and certainly many of you listening are at the moment is the stage where you're just getting put on hold for every single thing and you're always being let go at the last bit and i listened to <laughs> one of your podcasts the other day and you can go and search michael sheathby and it'll come up on spotify so go check out his podcast as well shout out <laughs> but it's uh i think a couple of, i can't remember when but you have obviously had recent uh not recent experiences but experiences similar i'm wondering how you deal with those because my my perception was that the closer you get the less painful it will be because at least you're closer but oh, fuck no <laughs> <laughs> so how do you deal with it when you get so close to be shortlisted down the last two and then you know it doesn't go your way and it's like easy to say oh, i just bounce back but fuck it hurts yeah yeah and i think um just thinking about certain examples where um, I've really wanted certain things and then I've caught myself going oh like I really want this result and then I've caught myself going and that's a bad thing mm. and in those moments the, the thing that has helped me the most is just giving myself permission to feel what I'm feeling is letting it hurt. Like, yeah, I do really, really want this. Like, and that's okay. Um, or I really wanted that and I didn't get it. And, and that's okay. Like it, it hurts so much right now mm. where I think I've screwed myself in the past, um, which has, you know, obviously provided the great, some helpful lessons, but is, is pretending that it, doesn't hurt mm. or pretending that um i'm okay with it and it, i'm not like no i really really wanted that job like i really freaking wanted it and uh yeah i'm gonna take that today off because like this sucks i do just want to lie down and go <sighs> like yeah this hurts yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah no that's uh i'll done i'm made a mental note of that but um so a lot of artists disregard the business and marketing aspect of financing their art right and uh you take a deep breath in there and i have some sense to your feeling towards this but um in the end what we do is we want to make money from it correct and a lot of artists disregard that fact but how do you how do you end up uh, marketing yourself do you think that's a good idea do you think that's a bad idea do you what's your what's your feelings on self-marketing and self-promotion yeah man this is um, it's a big one for me dude it, it really is because it 
it brings up a lot of stuff for me um as someone who's not on uh, social media i feel um you know i've sought out i've i've i went and had and booked a session with a social media coach just so that i could sit there and listen to their side of it mm. because i was like look i'm i'm feeling these senses of like i should do social media mm. um and uh and just hearing them kind of argue you know their their debate their kind of side of it um two things first thing a huge realization for me was me thinking about uh someone like daniel day lewis who uh you know uh more has won more oscars than than any actor um male actor um and he obviously doesn't do you know any social media or any of that kind of and, and is notorious for not doing interviews and is notorious for not kind of um playing that that game but what i realized was that um I was actually someone had done like a YouTube thing on it of like dissecting um, like actors and their uh, their like media promotional stuff for mm-hmm. for um, that Oscar stuff in particular. But what I realized was that um, Daniel Day Lewis doesn't get the Oscar if he doesn't go on Oprah and talk about how he found his voice for that that mm. character and stuff and um, as in Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't get the Oscar if no one knows about his um, uh, if no one knows about the film if yeah. no one knows about that yeah. performance and if no one knows about how much work he put into that performance mm. so even though I've got this idea that there's this guy and he's really private um, and doesn't do interviews, mm. I still need that interview in order to understand that he's really private. It, it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that, so that's the first thing mm. of like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, that what's the if no one knows then no one sees it mm. um and if someone sees it then uh you might be able to get that that next job which will lead on to it with with other um you know great people who who saw that work and go oh, i like that kind of job i like that kind of director i like that kind of actor i like that kind of work okay let me i'm gonna hire that actor mm. for for this thing and mm. um you know those jobs that are in line with you know yourself that those jobs get to capitalize on themselves people need to see those jobs um and the second point is that okay if marketing whether i like it or not if marketing is a part of this this thing well then how does one do it their way Mm. and um 
I was at a, at a uh, I better be careful with what I say here. I was at a networks media launch for something and we had to do this kind of like red we didn't have to but i was like yeah yeah, i'll join in Mm. and it was a kind of like a red carpet thing and everyone there was like reality tv people (laughs) 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 and um man some people are so great at what they do in in the world that i just have zero understanding of and you know, people are putting these microphones in their faces and going, wow, my favorite episode of MasterChef was blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, someone is basically wanting like a 60 second soundbite from me mm. and just going, oh, you know, like, how are you going? I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling okay. Like, cause I was feeling okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, what was your favorite episode of MasterChef? And I was like, I don't have a TV. I don't watch. <laughs> and, and, um, and they were like, well, have you been, you know, following it on the gram? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have social media. And the person looked at me with just like this deep hatred <laughs> of like, dude, yeah. why are you here? Yeah. Like, yeah, we're all here because yeah, this is work. We're all playing. This is the game that we've decided to play mm-hmm. and this is what we're doing mm-hmm. so either join in or fuck off like that's how i was kind of Comedy. i was like yeah right this is pretty funny like what if this isn't the game that i want to be playing because i know the game that i want to be playing like mm-hmm. that that to me is very clear and i was like okay well go back to that like how do i do it the way that i would like to this is an example of the way that i'd like to I, mm. i'm for me, it just boils down to honest conversations. And if, if I'm able to do that, like this, I love. Mm. I get to have an honest chat with an honest person. Like, this is wonderful. I, I, I happily do this. Um, whereas, you know, trying to do a 60-second soundbite with... with that's just not my game. Mm. Um, it's not the game that I find enjoyable, that I find fulfilling. So, yeah, my point on the marketing thing is, look, if, if that is a reality, um, is how, how, how can you do it your way? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm, I'm um, exploring at the moment is um, what do I like doing? I like writing the little articles. I like spending, you know, two hours of my week with a coffee on a Monday morning, just writing some thoughts down on acting and, and sharing that. Uh, on my website or or reading those those uh, out loud and putting them in a podcast form um, or uh, having uh, doing long form interviews where we actually get to have a conversation and um, I get to go like yeah I don't really know the answers and it's mm-hmm. not pretty and it's not perfect and it's not airbrushed and filtered and um, yeah but it's fucking real <laughs> it's fucking real um, alright I've got two more questions for you before we before we wrap this up <clears throat> you and I both have a, a mutual love with Philip Seymour Hoffman mm. now I've, I've been I've been binge watching The Hunger Games and uh, <laughs> and uh, just every time he comes on scene it's just like everything stops everyone like, like 
it feels like the room and just the oxygen sucked out of you know the oxygen's gone my mm. girlfriend's like watching with 100% intense half the time she's on her fucking phone yeah. but um <laughs> <laughs> what makes what in your perspective makes Philip Seymour Hoffman so fucking good yeah do you remember um in the last conversation that we had mm. um with Pete there was something that you we were talking about um, being honest with directors when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you said to me, um, you know, how do you, uh, like, you were like, you're like, how do you get the balls to do that? Yeah. And I, I, that was something that kind of kept me up because I think my answer, I forget what my answer was, but w- when I think about that, um, you know, that question of like, how do you get the balls? I'm like, the way that I see it is, is that it's, it's not about <laughs> balls. It's not about strength. Um, it, it's about, about the vulnerability of it. Mm. It's that the real strength comes from the vulnerability of like, oh man, this, this person might be really uncomfortable by what I'm about to say, or this, um, like I'm, I'm feeling quite scared to speak my truth in this moment but um i'm i'm gonna do that anyway and and, you know having that little moment of oh god what let me see what happens if i'm honest here um which that's a really scary thing for me anyway um and and to me uh that that willingness to to be vulnerable um, that's to me what makes you know the greats great, and especially someone like like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who um, you know I never knew, but I've worked with a, a handful of actors who who did work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I mean, apart from like the extraordinary work ethic, which I've got a great story about, but um, to me, it was that that your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses Mm. your greatest weaknesses are your greatest strengths like you know just like you and i he's he's got a huge hole in his heart and where he doesn't feel enough and he's just trying to you know fill that in every single day knowing that he's he will never be able to and Mm. and he's willing to lean into that and he's willing to um explore his darkness and his shame and and as well as you know his light and his love mm. and, and willing to lean into those uncomfortable things um yeah that's that's what makes it him special to me the other side of it in terms of the work ethic um uh I'll keep his name private but a uh, wonderful actor who i've worked with on two jobs actually but he had done a play with philip being directed by philip mm. And he was telling me this beautiful story that uh, it, there was always this point in the play where, like, his character just has to basically have this breakdown on stage and just, like, you know, flood mm. tears. And um, in order for the play to work, it's just that that needed to happen. It was yeah. one of those, like, just stand in front of people and, and be cry. vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, he said they were, like, doing a... Pr- I think they were in their first previews. And he finally... He was, like, after weeks of rehearsals, he nailed this moment and he was like oh my god smashed it like mm. smashed it I, I went there and got it and he was like that was the best that i'd 
ever, mm-hmm. ever done it. And the notes for the next day, you know, you go to the theater the next day, sit down, and director gives them the notes and, uh, you know, chronological order. So he's sitting there for like an hour and a half listening to everyone's notes and he's like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming where Phil is going to be like, amazing, smashed it, got it, beautiful. And um, and it got to that point and Phil went, I say Phil, Philip, I don't know, yeah. Um, and Philip went, hey, um, yep, good. It's never allowed to be less than that from now on. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is so, uh, just talk about like a work ethic yeah. of, of, um, like, great man. Cool. You got there now. Like that's your, that's your new bar now. Mm. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> just to finish it off and, uh, and wrap up a wonderful, wonderful conversation with you, sir. I am uh, I'm extremely grateful for you. You're an extremely intelligent, vulnerable, um, <laughs> brilliant individual who I admire greatly and I'm very grateful to have this conversation with you and get to know you and happy that you came on. Oh, thank you. What are you grateful for, dude? Um, oh, today, um, I am thankful for these socks. I really like these socks. <laughs> Um, they're, they're black with little red hearts on them. Um, I'm, oh, um, I think just being able to sit in my lounge and, and, you know, have an honest chat like this and just explore some ideas and, um, you know, talk about what we love doing. That's obviously very thankful for that so thank you um uh, i'm working on uh death of a salesman at the moment um arthur miller which i mean that play is just it's so extraordinary and and for me and and um it just means a hell of a lot to me that play and no matter how many runs in rehearsal i'm watching i'm just being so flawed at the most incredible writing um uh and uh yeah so you know just to be able to be around that kind of level of text at the moment um which i'll be practicing some lines today so uh, i'm thankful for that as well yeah all right well thank you for tuning in be sure to check out uh lost boy which is streaming on abc iview at the moment (laughs) <laughs> did not know that <laughs> all um, right cool cool it's uh it's a fantastic short film that i've talked way too much about uh, but uh you know mark was a brilliant performance and go check out all his stuff on his website and uh if you feel the need to uh listen to a podcast of his check that out as well all right thank you all thanks mark thanks and, uh, see you next time.